Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9. We are in a series. It's my last message in the series entitled Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders. Matthew chapter 6. Verse number nine, we're about to read. Uh, we, we have subtitled this, You Matter. You Matter. I think one of the, uh, I shared this last week, but really there are, I think, two lies that Satan has told really well to this generation. There are two mindsets, two mental uh, blocks that, that Satan and life have used to limit so many people in our culture today. The first lie is, is that you just don't matter. Your life's not important. What you do is unimportant. You don't have enough people who know you. You don't have enough people who care about you. You're not gifted enough. You're not prominent enough. You're not wealthy enough. You don't matter. That's one of the greatest lies of Satan. I'm going to tell you that one of the greatest, most valuable, impacting truths Becoming a born-again believer is that you discover your life matters for God. How many are thankful your life matters? That you're here for a reason on this planet? God put you here. God designed you uniquely, individually. And when we accept Christ as our Savior, we begin to say, wow, this is why I'm here. My life matters. This is what it's all about. The second lie that he, that he promotes incessantly just a constant drumbeat against people trying to find their way after he says, you don't matter. The second thing they deal with is that what you do doesn't matter. You're unimportant. You're not valuable. We, we tend to measure ourselves against other people all the time. I'm not as talented as they are. I'm, I don't have the resources they have. I don't have the opportunities they have. And now we've added social media, right? I don't have as many followers as they have. I, I'm, I'm not a social influencer. I, you know, so on and on it goes. All these, all these measurements about our validity in our life. When the truth of the matter is, you matter to God. And everything you do matters to God. The way you love your family. The way you work. The way you go to school. The way you interact with the people around you. The way you walk with the Lord. Who you are matters and what you do matters. And we need to be reminded of that as we walk through this life. So, so we have this... This series called Kingdom Builders. You know, I really have to struggle with that title, make sure everybody understands. Because when you hear in our culture today, Kingdom Builders, we think about earthly kingdoms, don't we? We think about what I'm doing. We think about what belongs to me. What, what, what I'm known for. What I've gathered. What I've brought to myself. But this is the very opposite of that. This whole series has not been about building our kingdom. It's been about God's kingdom coming to work. Let's look at Matthew 6. I've read this every week. I'm going to read it again. These two verses, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. This is, this is Jesus telling us how to pray. Not just what to memorize, but how we pray. So this is how we pray. Verse 9 of Matthew 6. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How many of you have a Father in heaven? Let me see your hand. You have a Father in heaven? How good is that? You know, if somebody asks, don't you hope somebody asks you, who's your daddy? I'm always wanting somebody to ask me, who's your daddy? I, I, I haven't been asked that. I've got a thousand things to say. I would, go ahead and ask me. 
I'm glad you asked me who my daddy is. He created the universe. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He knows me by name. He knows how many hairs are on top of your head. Greater is he that's living in you than he that's in the world. He's my provider. He's my savior. He's my healer. He walks with me. He talks with me. Is that enough? Okay, I know who my daddy is. Who's your daddy? You know, my daddy loves me even when I blow it. You know, my daddy loved me before I was born. You know, my daddy never gives up on me. You know, my dad's proud of me. You know, you got the same father. How many are thankful? Let me ask you, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? See, if the one on earth didn't recognize that you matter, the one in heaven has never failed to know that you matter. And I'm thankful for that today. So that's how I pray. I don't pray as a beggar. Listen to me. How do you pray? You know how you pray? You pray like a daughter. You pray like a son. You go into the presence of God. You know what the Bible says? Listen to this. Hebrews says, therefore, we find mercy and grace. Therefore, in our time of need, we find mercy when we come before the throne of grace. In your most needy moment, you're welcomed into the presence of God. So we pray, knowing that we belong to him. This is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And here's the first request. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Literally, God told us, Jesus said, this is how we should be praying. Lord, we're praying that who you are in heaven becomes known on this earth. God, we are praying that the will of God in heaven becomes the actuality of God on earth. We're supposed to pray big, bold prayers. How many believe that? Big, bold prayers. I want to ask you again. How many know we should pray big, bold prayers? Not just help me make it through the night prayers. Not just bless me and my family prayers. God, we want to see everything you are, everything you promise, everything you can do, everything you choose, everything you are. We want to see your will in heaven become your will on earth. We want to see that, God. That's how we pray. That's the title of this series, Kingdom Builders. We're not building our kingdom. We're, there's more to us than, than uh, consumers. We're contributors. We are distributors of the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's our privilege. That's who we are. Your life matters. It's, it's important. We're not just piling up things that the, the Bible says rust and moths can destroy. We're not just piling up things that are going to be left behind. We are doing something eternal. Our life matters. We're making a difference. We're making it better. We're leaving this planet better than when we came on it. What we do matters because the kingdom of God is looking for opportunities every day and every moment to work through somebody's life. It works that way. Matthew chapter 6 says, pray, ask, God, let your kingdom come. Do you know your home If it's going through a rough time right now, it can change. It can change. Do you know that if your heart is broken, God can heal your heart? Do you know that if you've lost a lot of things, God can restore that because he wants his will in heaven become his will on earth? Too many Christians are just hanging on for the sweet by and by, right? They have given up on this life and just said, well, it is what it is. I'm holding on. Have you ever heard someone say, you know, I hope I can hold on to the end? Have you ever heard anybody say that? I remember the little church I grew up in, a lot of great things in that church. I learned a lot of great things in that church. But we used to have a testimony service. How many have ever been in a testimony service? You ever heard those? Well, pastor, why don't we have them here at Calvary? Well, I want to ask you one more time. Have you ever been in some of those testimony services? 
It's supposed to be encouraging. But you know, sometimes it's top this misery. I mean, I've heard people get up. Oh, I've had a hard week this week. Y'all just pray for me. I'll hold on to the end. That wasn't very encouraging for me as a young person. You know, and then the next person up, it kind of wants you to feel more sorry for them than it is for others. Am I all messed up today? Thank you. Here we go. We're switching. Thank you. So what happens is it's kind of top this misery. Have you ever heard that one? Well, I know they had a hard week. I've had a hard month. Y'all need to really pray for me. And so after a while, I said, I don't think that's going to work. We, we need to make sure people are sharing things that are encouraging and, and, and praying big prayers and believing big things for God and setting an example that people can see that, that God's working for us. And God's working in us and that, and God wants to bring heaven to earth. It's not just the sweet by and by. Now I'm planning to go to heaven. Anybody going to go to heaven? Man, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, if you didn't raise your hand, I got some bad news for you. There is another option, which you don't want to have. Let me ask you one more time. How many of you are planning on going to heaven this morning? That's what I thought. If you still didn't raise your hand, I got some good news for you. You're in the right place for us to help you do something about that today. There is another option. It's called hell. And you don't want to go there. Let me tell you that. You know, I, I, I want us to see this. God wants you to enlarge the harvest of your life. God wants his church to be reminded of who we are and why we're here. And that's what this day is all about. It's a big day for us. Now, if you're visiting today, uh, later on in this, this, as our time together, we're going to make a big commitment to see missions around the world. And if this is the only time you've ever come to Calvary, you're going to, gee, they, they, they took a, a pledge. Well, you got to see it the one time we do that the whole year today, okay? So this is not what it's all about every Sunday. But every Sunday we're on mission. How many can say amen to that? We're on mission. We're on mission to do something. So let's look at something. So how does this happen? How does, let's get practical, let's get real. How does God's kingdom come to earth? How does what God wills in heaven become reality on this planet? How do we connect that? Let's be honest, how do we get there? The Bible said we've all sinned and missed God's plan, fallen short of God's best. So how does this holy, perfect God, who loves us more than you can imagine, who never gave up on us, even in our lowest moments, how do we in our fallen place connect with everything God wants to do? Well, let's put John 3.16 up. This is what happens here. Now, everybody used to know this verse. Everybody used to be able to quote this verse. But, but we're, we're living in a situation now where fewer and fewer people know the word of God. So, so how does heaven get to earth? How does that happen? Well, let's look at this. Why don't you read it out loud with me? Let's read together. Ready? Let's read this. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Leave that up for a minute. So how does heaven come to earth? How did that become a reality? There was such a gap between fallen man and this holy loving God who never stopped loving us but couldn't walk into our sin and condone it. So what did he do? God loved us so much. You matter to God. Look at the person next to you and tell them, you matter to God. God loved us so much that he did something. Love always acts. How many heard what I just said? Love is not love unless it has an action. Love is not love unless it has a reality. God loved this 
fallen world. Listen to me. He loved you before you were a believer. He loved you before you gave your life to him. He loved you before you ever did one good thing. For God so loved this fallen, broken world that he did something about it. That his love became tangible. That his son, Jesus Christ, left behind in heaven his privileges, but not his nature. And put on our flesh through the virgin birth, a miracle. And walked in our shoes. And the Bible said, tempted with everything that tempted us. And went to the cross. It was not his cross, but our cross. And shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. So God so loved this world. He so wanted heaven to come to earth. See, I'm thankful you don't have to wait just till you die to taste a little bit of heaven. We're supposed to be bringing a little bit of heaven to earth right now. We're supposed to be making Jesus so real now that people around us and experiencing us and seeing and hearing and believing the gospel that they say, if that's what heaven's like now, I can't wait to get to the big thing someday. We're supposed to be bringing some heaven right now. For God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he demonstrated, that he reached and he connected. And Jesus connected this incredible gap, the void between a holy, loving, mighty God and, and, and a people that had just blown it in every way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his best and his highest, his one and only. There aren't other choices. There aren't other ways that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's who God is. That's how the kingdom comes. But the whole thing be wanting to see. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. We have to connect the dots, church family. We get to connect the dots. And it's so powerful. There's a word here that I want you to see. In my former book, okay, this is Acts 1-1, just beginning. This is Luke, the physician, anointed and called by God to write the history, historical account of the church. And he says in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that Jesus what? Say that word. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. In other words, he says, Jesus began it, but the job's not through yet. So in other words, we matter to God, but what we do matters to God. We matter to God so much he died for us, but he died for everybody. We matter to God because he forgave us and loved us and sent his son for us. But it's not just that we matter, what we do matters. And what we're doing, think of this holy calling. We're continuing to do what Jesus began to do. Wow. We're walking in that place. Oh, now we're not the Savior. We're not God. Thank God. And, and we didn't die on the cross. But what the cross provided, what Jesus began to do, his church is to carry this on. And I never cease to be amazed. I want you to get this. We're making the connection, making it personal. That this message, the greatest news ever, that you can be forgiven, that your life can change, that you can have heaven on earth and go to heaven someday. The power of God, the goodness of God. But God chose human instruments to make that happen. God chose us. It stuns me. There are angels in heaven, but they don't preach the gospel. There are angels that come and minister to those that know the Lord. Do you know that? Do you know the Bible says the angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who belong to Jesus? Do you know that angels watch you and guard you and work with you? And we don't see them, but they're sent by God according to the word of God. They are with you. They're with your children. How many are thankful the angels of God are with us? Psalm 91 says they lift us up in their hands so we don't stumble and fall along the way. You're not alone. You matter to God. You matter so much he not only sent his son to die for you, he sends angels to guard you and watch you. Wow. God loves us. But we have to do something with that message because he's chosen human instruments 
to do something the angels of heaven cannot do. Look at these with me. Look in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. Isaiah 6, 1. I want you to see this. I want to read a few verses here in this 6th chapter. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. They're so dynamic, so validating that God would trust us with the greatest gift of all, the good news of Jesus. Look at this, Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, the prophet Isaiah is speaking. He said, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So uh, Isaiah says, King Uzziah, a relative of his, passed away. In the middle of his suffering, listen to me, God, in the middle of his earthly loss, heaven made a new deposit in his life. Do you know that every time life steals something from you, are you with me today? God can deposit heaven in that place. Do you know that what earth has robbed, God repays? Do you know what we lose on this earth, God can fill that gap. I'm so thankful. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah the prophet said, I saw the Lord. He was high. He was lifted up. I encountered the living God. I want you to drop down, look at this. What was the result? Chapter 6, verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Do you know that's a pretty normal reaction when you really encounter the presence of God? You're not arrogant and flippant. You're like, my God, my God, I'm standing in the presence of God. God's with me. God's here. He said, I'm overwhelmed. He said, God, in myself, I'm not holy. My people are not holy. In myself, I don't deserve this. Let's keep reading. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. How many are thankful that when you encounter God and you realize he's a holy God and I'm a lost person, that he doesn't leave you there. He takes something and forgives you and changes you and redeems you. And there's something new in your life. But then he's not done with us, see? See the pattern? Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. See, that's what happens. We come in the presence of a mighty God and say, God, I don't even belong here. But he says, I'll cleanse you. I'll make you worthy. I'll bring you in through my son, Jesus. But he says, I'm not through. I need to talk to some other people. Who wants to go for me? And it's almost like a sign up, you know, a volunteer. It's a volunteer army. We keep waiting for something, you know, for the angel to fly through and tap me on the shoulder or jerk me out of bed. But can I tell you today, you can just sign up to say, God, I want to do what you need done on this earth. Who send me? How many want to say that to God? God, in my world, in my circle, in my family, in my school, in my marketplace, I say, Lord, I volunteer. I want you to send the gospel through me. God uses men and women. It's amazing to me that he uses human instruments like us to bring the greatest thing, the message to this world. Look in Ezekiel 22 and verse 29. Ezekiel verse 22 or chapter 22 and verse 29. I, I just want you to, uh, I just want you to see this human connection. You're the resource. We're the divine connection. We, we are what God uses and how it happens. It's how his kingdom comes. Jesus initiated it and then he flows through us. Ezekiel chapter 22. Verse 29, 
Notice the condition where this happens, much like Isaiah's, much like ours. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the alien, denying them justice. Seems like that's been the pattern from the beginning of time. There's the condition. There's the situation. So what happens? Look at verse 30. So I look for a man among them. So I look for a man. That's how that works. God, see, we miss it sometimes. We say, I hear people talk about it. Come on, tell the truth. Don't raise your hand, but be honest. Just you, me, and God right now, okay? How much time have you spent in the last month talking about how bad it is? Come on. How many conversations? Can you believe inflation? I got robbed at the gas station. Pump number three. Huh? People are going crazy. Did you see what they did? Do you see what they said? Do you see what's in the school? Do you see what Congress did? Do you see what our educators did? Do you see what the government's done? Do you see what's happening around me? You know, are you with me? We kind of go, we kind of go. There you go, there you go. Well, what does God do though? What does God do in the midst of that? He said, I look for a man. I look for a woman. That's how it always works. God's never intimidated by the failure of earth because he knows if he can find a man, if he can find a woman, he can bring some heaven into that place right there. And so we need to begin to realize as the family of God, as the body of Christ, we live in a mixed up, a messed up, mixed up society right now. Let's be honest. Never been more polarized. Never been more fragmented. Never been such a challenge to the family, to the home, to morals, to just common sense and sanctity. Never been such an onslaught. But I can tell you right now, God is not pacing the corridors of heaven, worried about what is going to happen. He's not wringing his hands. He's not out of odds. He's not out of opportunities. He is looking for someone on this earth, a woman, a man, a student, a child, a grandmother, a grandfather, a retiree, somebody, somewhere that he will bring heaven through them to this earth that's what God does and the good news is you can volunteer Lord here I am send me send me God here I am let me give you one more of these 2nd Chronicles 16 and verse 9 I want you to see God is committed to look for a person to bring heaven to earth what you do matters what you do matters it doesn't matter who knows about it doesn't matter in the eyes of 2nd Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Have you got this from the New King James Version? If you do, it says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro around the earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to Him. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro around the earth looking for the place to show Himself strong on behalf of those who are loyal to Him. It's amazing. God is looking for volunteers. God is looking for partners. God is looking for links, people, ordinary people. Have I, have I given you enough scripture on that? You and me, human vessels, not angels, not just the apostle and the prophet and the evangelist and the pastor, the teacher, not just the reverend and the elder and the bishop and who, whatever else titles are out there. He's looking for a woman. He's looking for a man. He's looking for an opportunity. He has everything in heaven. And he says, I just want somebody who'll give me an opportunity here. Today at Calvary, we, we've been preparing. 
We've been listening. We've been praying. And in a few moments, as we end today, we're going to say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Use me in my home. Use me in my school. Use me in my workplace. Use me in my neighborhood. You know, you know, you, you don't, I've told you this story. You don't have to be like the one young kid a few years ago. Uh, it, it was a unique experience, let me say. One of the boys in our youth group really got excited about the Lord. He was in junior high school, really turned on, really bold, really full of the spirit. Uh, and so he went to school one day and he was so concerned about his classmates in the school and the spiritual condition that he decided that lunch was a good time to take advantage of the moment. And he stood up on the table at lunch in a cafeteria, began to preach the gospel. Man, he was just preaching. And so, you know, he hadn't, Stephen sat down and said, you can't do that. And so guess who they called? Not his mom. Called me. And so I had to go to the principal's office. I had flashbacks. <laughs> it was really crazy. Here I'm a grown man pastor at a church, and I was real nervous. I thought, you know, I've been here before, not lately, but back. And so I walked in. I, the principal told me what had happened. He's stumbling over his words, you know. And Stephen's sitting there with his head down. And I said, okay. I said, you know what? I said, would you like for me just to talk to him private? In private, because the principal goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Boom, he ran out as fast as he could. So I waited till he closed the door. I said, Stephen, look at me. He looked at me. I said, give me five, dude, right now. I gave him five. I said, man, I'm proud of you. You're a bad boy. I said, now listen, we got to do this a different way, but I'm proud of you the way you did. And I was proud of him. You know, you got to, it wasn't the way they said, but I wasn't about to rain on that kid. We got enough petrified wood in the church. I wasn't going to build some more. I'm trying to put fire under people. As a pastor, I found out a long time ago, it's a lot easier to cool down fiery people than try to get the dead wood going once it's there. You know, fiery people don't scare me. On fire, loud people, amen people, on fire people, radical people. That's how God has used to build his kingdom. In other words, it takes some fire to get something going. Stephen was on fire. You think I'm going to put his fire out? I said, you're a bad dude, Stephen. I said, just do it different next time. And I gave him some guideline. Well, I wasn't going to discourage that young man. See, we, we're, 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 we've had this time to say, Father, I need to be reminded that I matter to you. I needed to be reminded that what I do matters. My own individual way. What we do together. So, so we're going to do that here in just a moment. We're, we're, we're going to be at a place where we're saying, Father, I've, I've prayed. I've inventoried. I, I, I want to be, uh, one that spreads your word. I want to bring your kingdom to earth here to the people I know, to the people that are close. But I want to be a part of bringing as far to the ends of the earth because you said that's what we're supposed to do. See, that's how it goes. God trusted us. He trusted us with a great commission. You've been entrusted. With the highest calling on the planet. We've been entrusted with the highest opportunity a human being is ever given. Did you know that? There's something higher than a king and a throne or a president or an oval office or a title or money or the billionaire club. There's something higher than all of that. It's the privilege to tell a lost person that Jesus Christ loved you so much that he went to your cross and he died for your sins. So that you could be forgiven and that Christ would come live in your heart and your life can change and be transformed and you begin to see why you were put on this earth in the first place. There's no higher calling on the planet. 
You don't need a PhD or a, or, or, or a license or ordination certificate. You just need to volunteer and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Let me make a difference where I go. Let me pray for those that hurt. Let me love those that are in that situation. See, I, I want you to look at this. This is what heaven is supposed to look like. And we here in America need to remember this. Look at Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 9 with me. Can you do that? I'm wrapping this up. Look at Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 9. It's a, it's a powerful verse. This is what heaven's supposed to look like. We've got to do our job. We get to be a part of this. Revelation 5, 9. Look at this. And they sang a new song. This is heaven. Look at it in heaven. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God. Where? From where? From the United States of America? Just from my neighborhood? Just from people that look like me? No, you purchased men for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. That's what heaven's going to look like. That's what we're here doing right now. If that doesn't matter to us, then we're not connected to what matters to God. If that doesn't move my heart, then I'm not moved by what moves God's heart. Look at Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. You're in the neighborhood there. Just turn over a page or scroll a minute. Revelation 7 and verse number 9. This is what heaven's supposed to look like, guys. And after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Oh, are you ready? Where did they come from? Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Do you know when you get to heaven, it's going to look, you, you talk about diversity. <laughs> you talk about this glorious picture of the love of Jesus that went from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. And if that matters to God, it has to matter to us today. It has to matter to us today. I want to show you one final passage. I, uh, well, let, let's look at this before we go there. Matthew 24, 14. I've tried to give you a lot of scripture today because I don't want you just to hear the heart of your pastor, although that's important. I want you to hear the heart of God today. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14. I want to give you a big, bold prayer thought. Big and bold. Big and bold. We're bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Matthew 24 and verse 14. This is what Jesus said. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. I need to read that one more time. Did you hear that? Okay. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to whom? To all nations. And then what happens? What are we doing? We're doing what Jesus began to do. We're carrying on what started on the cross and was, was validated by the resurrection three days later. We are bringing the good news to every person, every language on the planet. Of course, it begins where we are, but it doesn't stop until it reaches there. He says, when that happens, the end is going to come. I'm going to tell you, I'm looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to Jesus coming back and taking his church. And let me ask you a question. What if we... Come on, big and bold. Are you ready? What if we could be the generation that brings Jesus back to this planet? 
What if we could be, you say, oh, pastor, there are two billion people that need to hear. Okay, let me help you with a little simple math. There's a billion of us that are born again on this planet. A billion. Okay, if that billion would just get one person saved next year, we got two billion. And if those two billion would just get one person saved the next year, we got what? Four billion. And if on the third year we all just got one more to Jesus, we got eight billion. Locked it down. Three years from now, Jesus can come back to this planet. You say, well, it's not that simple. Well, you explain to me how my math didn't work. Well, it's not that simple. Well, all I have to do is win one this next year. And all he or she has to do is win one next year, and I'll help them do that. And all they got to do is one more time, and in three years, we got this thing down. He said, well, Pastor, that's not logical. Okay, well, let's think about it for a moment. We have the numbers to do it. We have the technology to do it. We have the motivation to do it. We have the money to do it inside the kingdom of God. Do you know what we need? We need the Holy Spirit push on our life to do it. We need the Spirit of God to grab our hearts and remind us again that we matter to God. And that what we do matters to God. I want to stand in front of your pastor unapologetically and tell you we could be the generation that brings Jesus back to this planet. We have the potential and the possibility to bring Jesus back to this planet. Now, we got to do some things we're not doing. <laughs> we got to reach some places we haven't reached. But that's why we say, Lord, we're going to do what we can do. We're going to be a part of this thing. We're going to make it happen. I want to end with this scripture. I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 3. This is where we are. This is where we are. 2 Kings 7, right? I want you to go there. 2 Kings 7. The scenario. Let me just quickly give it to you. I believe this is where the church in the world is today, particularly in the Western world, particularly in America. Samaria was under siege by a foreign army. Things have become so bad inside that city that cannibalism had taken over. Parents were eating their children. People were dying. You, you couldn't buy food. There, I mean, it, there was no money to buy food. Food was so rare. If you had all the money, you couldn't buy anything. But God sent a prophet. Someone say, sent a prophet. He sent the prophet at the lowest moment in that city under siege and losing their family, their home, and everything dear. They're doing things they never dreamed they would do because they had turned their back on God and would not repent. But God sent a prophet. Come on, someone say, God sent a prophet. His church can be a prophet to this generation. And God said something that they mocked. He said, by this time tomorrow. Come on, when God shows up, he doesn't need a long time. When God moves in, he doesn't need a long time. He said, by this time tomorrow, you can buy all the food you want for a few pennies. By this time tomorrow, you're going to have everything you want. And the king's guard laughed in his face. But God said, by this time tomorrow. All right? So, let's see what happens here. I'm in 1 Kings. It doesn't read like 2 Kings. Let me go to 2 Kings chapter 7. Because I want to get this. Here we go. Let's go to uh, verse number 3. 2 Kings 7. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we stay, we'll go into the city. The famine is there and we'll die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. So these four lepers were out sitting at the city gate. They wouldn't let them come inside because they had leprosy and they were unprotected. And the army that surrounded them thought these men so worthless, they didn't even kill them. You ever heard the saying, you're not worth killing? There they were, those four. 
But as they sat there, they said, you know, enough's enough. Come on, how many? You listening to me? I'm winding up. Enough's enough. They said, let's go. If we go inside, we'll die from the famine. If we go to that army, they may kill us. But if they don't, we'll get something to eat. Let's get up and go. Remember, God said by this time tomorrow, this is tomorrow. Watch who uses. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. Why? For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys and they left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. Why? They heard the sound of a mighty army coming. But what was it? Four lepers. See, the devil loves to tell you, you don't matter. The devil loves to tell you what you do doesn't matter. The devil loves to tell you, you've lost so much. You're good for nothing. You're not worth killing. Nobody cares about you. But there comes a moment in everyone's life when you can finally say, you know, I'm not going to sit here anymore. I'm not going to believe I don't matter anymore. I'm not going to believe that what I do doesn't matter anymore. And it may look foolish to the world. And I may be a leper hobbling around. But when I say, God, I got what you have, what I have. I'm going to do what I can do. He will multiply your act of obedience until it sounds in the ears of hell. Like the armies of heaven have broken loose against that moment. He's just looking for somebody to believe what I do matters. Let's keep reading. Verse 8, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. So that, you know, it's more than they can imagine. They're eating and drinking. They're hiding loot. It's like, it's, it's, they won 14 lotteries at one time. Watch this. They returned and entered another tent, took some things from it, and they hid them also. Verse 9. Then they said to each other, We're not doing right. This is a day of good news. We're keeping it to ourselves. You know what I think? Where we are in the American church today, I think we have to say, we're not doing right. We can't keep this to ourselves. God's been too good to us. God's been so faithful to us. God forgave me and redeemed me. God blessed me. Think of where you were and who you were when you came to the altar that day. Think of what was going on in your life that day you got saved. Think of the heartache and the misery and the brokenness and the bondage. And I'm going to tell you, God has blessed you. God turned it around. God did in a day. And by the way, that guard that laughed at the prophet and said it'll never happen, when the message got back to the city that there was food and victory and everything was ready. They threw the gate of the city open and they trampled the guard. He died. He never saw it. Here's what I want to say. We're in a special place right now. We're in a great moment right now. God has blessed us. Your blessing may not be like someone else's blessing, but you've been blessed. You may not have what everyone else has, but you have. We don't have to compare ourselves. For This moment's not a compare moment. This moment is, here's what's in my hand. How do you want to use it? What do you want to do with me? How do I want to make an impact on my life? Take this card out of that seat rack in front of you. Looks like this. Would you hold it? Everybody, whatever your plans are, just go ahead and get it out. Hold it. I want you to have this. This is Maggie Hogan. We know Maggie. A couple of months ago, she had her 90th birthday. Part of our church family. Yeah. 
Shortly after that, Miss Maggie went to heaven. Look at that's a, that's a big smile for a 90-year-old. That's taken at the birthday party. But this is what I found out. Shortly after I had the privilege of doing her funeral service, she'd been living with her daughter. They told me that uh, over those last few months, her daughter had helped Miss Maggie take care of all of the, her affairs. And she said, I just wanted you to know, I didn't know this, that Miss Maggie so loved kingdom builders at 90. Still believed that what she did mattered. Still believed it made a difference. She said, just so you know, she gave twice the amount of her tithe to kingdom builders every month. Said, Mom always tithe. But kingdom builders, she gave twice that. You know why? Because she believed that she mattered to God and that what she did would make a difference. And so that's what we that's what this is about. This is a commitment card. So, Pastor, why do we even fill this out? Because this isn't a commitment between you and me or you and this church. It's between you and I and God. So why do we complete it? So I can have some target to commit to our partners as we go through this year. So I believe in God. I believe in you. I believe if God speaks to you, you'll do what he says. And then I trust God to make the process work. This isn't isn't a, uh, a head commitment. It's a heart commitment. What does that mean? It's not where I sit down and figure, oh, okay, you know, I can miss one cup of coffee a week, and that adds up to $5. No. This is a Holy Spirit, what do you tell me to do? Moment. See the difference in that? Here's what I've learned. God knows some things I don't know. How many believe that? You believe God knows what you don't know? We love to say he's our Jehovah Jireh provider. That word provider in Hebrew means the God who sees. So, He already sees where we're headed and what we need before we get there. And so moments like these are where we say, God, you see what I don't see and you know what I don't know. So I want to build the kingdom of God on earth. I want to say yes. Now, there are different amounts to check. You can put others. Some people do a percentage. Some people do a one-time gift. I've given this to you last week. I want you to pray. We never try to just use emotion or those things. Let's respond in faith to God. What I want to tell you right now is a holy moment. It's holy because we've been given a privilege to just be reminded I matter to God. What I do matters to God. There's something in my hand that God can use to touch these people I just saw in this video. Our missionaries, the countries they serve, the school we're building, Dominican Republic, that'll hide. Are you ready for this? 900 children will go to that school. We get it through. We're on the second floor. We go back in February. Guys, got some room if you want to go do a life changing trip. God, what do you want me to do? Not what, what do I think? God, what do you say? Because you see what I don't see. You know, you know things I don't know. Can I tell you for Phyllis and I, Pastor Phyllis and I, these are the kind of moments that have revolutionized our life. By saying yes to God at moments like this, we've learned that we can live bigger than ourselves. It's, it's amazing. We live bigger than ourselves. We take what's in our hand and give it to the God who's unlimited. When it goes out of my hand where there's always limits into the hands of God that's unlimited, miracles happen. All miracles start in heaven. 
but all miracles are manifested on earth. All miracles start with God, but all miracles happen through human beings that say, I'm available. So I want us to pray. Just take a minute. And then our usher is going to receive these. And let's just see what God would do. So, Pastor, how long is this for? Let me be clear. It may be your first year. This is just for one year. Lord, what would you have me to do? Again, if you're visiting today, we certainly understand this isn't for you. We're glad you got to be in on this big moment for us. We do this once a year, and then we keep, keep moving on, doing what God called us to do. This helps us reach more people more quickly for Christ. You know, it's only good news if it gets there in time. You ever thought about that? It's only good news if it gets there in time. So we're reaching more people more quickly, doing all we can. None of these things do we do by ourselves. We partner with these incredible missionaries and organizations. But I believe we could be the generation that brings Jesus to earth if we just say yes. So let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this incredible church family. They're so generous. They're so obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We've grown and developed over these years of kingdom builders. We've learned how to pray. We've learned how to listen. We've learned how to trust. And Lord, the testimonies are amazing. Lord, this church is full of Maggie Hogan's who just love Jesus so much that they want to do their part. Young men and women, young families, just getting started, singles, single moms and young families with children. Lord, I know there are a lot of financial demands and so I couldn't suggest anything. I just ask us to pray and follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. And God, I know when we do that, you take over. You see what we don't see. You know what we don't know. You're able to provide and to show us. You show up in those moments because we said yes. Father, thank you that we're going to touch the world today. Thank you this is the seed of the next harvest that's going to come. It could be the greatest harvest that we've ever been a part of. Right here in North Alabama, here in this United States, to the ends of the earth. Thank you. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lead us, guide us. Help us to follow your direction. Help us to trust you and honor you with what we do right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.